Hey, Pete. Hey, Aaron. Don't you dare. It's there. Hey, Pete. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Oh, it's going. It feels like just yesterday you dared me to listen to the Real Big Fish album. Uh, and I, I have. I, I mean, I know you're um, you're getting old, Aaron, but I think I asked you to do that about a year ago. It's kind so, of just collapsing in on itself for you. So, it's, what's funny, this is so dumb. So, this is already a side cast. This is only our third episode. We recorded the first two episodes over a year ago. It's why we have reference to living figures that have since passed away. Um, but for you, you're going to hear them in quick succession, so I wouldn't worry about it. And you also may be like, you also may be like, hey. I'm not listening to this anyways, uh, because I've, I get enough of you, really, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, uh, fair. Fair point. I get enough of me on a weekly basis, too, but not much I can do about it. Yeah. And, and, and then, uh, you know, I, I say this in the danger of being uh, irrelevant or this information being irrelevant, but um, I just signed with our with WLTW with a lawyer in New York. His name is Great. Aaron Schlossberg. Oh, that guy. Um, yeah, we, we recorded this one a year ago, too. Yeah, we recorded this a year ago, <laughs> which is 2017. Yep. Uh, and Aaron Slosberg. I, I like his name. Yeah, yeah. I like – he seems like a nice guy. He, you know, he goes and eats food in the neighborhood sometimes. And I, you know, it seems like he's connected to his community. Um, great, great thing about this is a year from now, no one's going to know who he is either. So, yeah. Um, let's hope – Maybe we so, should release these so they're t- timely references. Yeah. So hoping are, nothing goes wrong with that lawyer yeah. we just hired. Yeah. Hope hopefully nothing goes wrong with Aaron Schlossberger, attorney. It might be just Schlossberger. I think it's just Schlossberger, <laughs> attorney at law. I'm gonna start uh, calling so you yeah. Aaron Schlossberger. Schloss- I'm gonna call start calling you fuckface. <laughs> shorter. So, yeah, way shorter. Uh, so, Peter, so you dared me about over a year ago to listen to Real Big Fish's um, Turn Off the Radio. I've been listening to it daily for the I last hope. year because I didn't know when we were going to record this, but I wanted to make sure that everything... Yeah, always be R. <laughs> 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 always be real big fish. I was, was going to say, always be ready and then repeat ABR. And I really cut out the middle of that joke. Yes. I just was like, I'm going to go from the beginning to the end, bubble, yada, 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 R. Um, so this is, yeah, this is this is what you're getting from Don't You Dare. So, Peter, you dared me. I'd never heard Real Big Fish's Turn Off the Radio. I was very familiar with it in the sense that, like, when I was going through, like, a Sam Goody or uh you know i the the album cover was very was very um it's distinct. Uh, stood out it stood out like it's that it's that garish like mtv super garish core, yeah yellow and green like like we can't have proper lighting it's the 90s and like they have a name that's like a very 90s like real big fish it's a pun cuz the real is spelled r e e l um, I guess either way it would have been a pun, but they went for that particular pun. Uh, That's a pretty good one. Yeah. It just great. looks like a Toys R Us kind of thing where it's just yeah. like, oh, there's a there's a mistake in the name of your uh, 
billion dollar company. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, so I, I, and so I remember the album. And then I remember like figuring out who they were when I saw basketball because they are the the house band or whatever in basketball. And um, I had that soundtrack, so I knew Sellout. And then in college, discovered the song Beer, and that's about it. That's all. I never listened to this album besides those two songs. Um, and I don't – I probably have never listened to – besides their um, – I think on the baseball soundtrack, they also do Take On Me. So, besides that, I don't think I've ever heard a Big Fish uh, – real big, real big Fish. So, I've never heard a Big Fish song either. Uh, the movie directed by Tim Burton has never produced even one hit single. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, uh, – so, so, yeah. So – we're going to start like we hopefully always do based on the outline that we created over a year ago um, and say, Peter, why did you want me to listen to Real Big Fish? Was this one of those categories of I want you to experience something I love? Or was this a I want you to relive some nostalgic part of my past or um, fuck you? This listen is not this. a fuck you, despite how it might seem. It uh, feels a little like a fuck you. <laughs> this is a direct response to you making me listen to uh, the Smash Mouth album. Yeah. I wanted to share some nostalgia with you. And I also want to selfishly uh, sort of uh, examine my own nostalgia for an album that is firmly planted in a time and place this is not a this is, album does not tell a story about me this is just like a weird thing that like every so Be often up. i'm like i gotta listen to this album and then i cringe at parts of it and i get really excited in parts of it so and then i feel really lame like it's not a fuck you it's a i genuinely wanted you to have fun with this <laughs> So, it's so funny because as I was listening to this, and I listened to it a couple times in the last couple days, um, enough that I – like if you told me a, a song, I could tell you – I like I know what that song is by title at this point. Um, and it was so funny listening to it because it seems so similar to to Smash Mouth. Like – so, I it, like the, the reasons that I gravitate towards the Smash Mouth CD in 1996 and I loved it – I have to imagine that if I would have listened to this album in its entirety in 1996, I would have felt the same way. It's not only like the style of music is very similar, uh, like, you know, ska punk, but also the like the, enti- the entire attitude. I wonder if we made that joke a year ago. I can't Probably. wait to find out. Um, <laughs> but the entire like attitude and like perspective is this is the same. It is like a... Ain't I a stinker and everything is stupid, but then also, like, as I imagine you listen to it now, it's like, oh, it's kind of like a sad, sad dude who's yeah. trying to, like, put on a facade. So, I'll get into my thoughts on it. We'll do a little track-by-track track stuff. Uh, but, Peter, so you mentioned – so, Smash Mouth, though, for me, I – when we listened to it uh, for the episode, I had not listened to that album in, like, 10 years. So – you're saying, though, that this this was a little more constant for you. Not constant, constant. In high school, I wouldn't have listened to it because Ska was very lame between – well, <laughs> yeah, much earlier, but it was lame You were six years old, right? So, <laughs> yes. So, so Ska I was, was lame between whatever, 2000 out, yeah. and still now. And present, yeah. <laughs> but I lost my shame about it at some point senior year of high school and then going through college until now. Every so often I listen to it to get like little, uh, like, uh, little nostalgia triggers, like firing off the rockets. 
Because as I was listening to this album, I'm like, well, yeah, I get why he would have liked this in 1996. He was, you know, 13, 14. I'm like, no, I was 13, 14. Wait, when did he, like, was this a big brother past? Yes. How did you end so, up with this? So, is, this is a flip. So, you okay. you probably grabbed Smash Mouth for yourself, right? You heard something on the radio myself? and then you found the album? Yeah, Walking on the Sun. And it was a time where, like, albums were 18 bucks. I didn't have a ton of money. So, like, when I bought an album, I would usually try to commit as much to, like, listening to the whole album and, um, you know, trying to like the whole album. And Smash Mouth was one that that was, at the time, very easy for me. I had an older brother, Charlie, um, who's seven years older than me. So, he would have been in 1997. If I was, like, six, he would have been uh, 13. Exactly the right age. So, Charlie is my age. Yes. Should I be friends with him instead? Yeah, I mean, he's cooler than me. <laughs> yeah, let's get him on the phone. Why, why have I been talking to you all these years? <laughs> Could have had Peter Prime. Yeah. Um, but he – I'm very close to my brother, uh, so he won't mind me teasing him. Uh, I don't really care, though. He uh, he got me into this because when he was 13, he liked, uh, you know, music that the 13-year-olds would yeah. like and rancid and all that shit. Like, and uh, there's some stuff that has survived – survive the day um beastie like, boys i feel like uh, beastie boys was the one that yes probably for charlie too like i saw them as like the sneering like fuck everyone like a lot of the music i was listening to and liked at the time but like they they were a little less of that um as time went on um by the time they got to paul's boutique they were like we're real artists which was pretty early in their career and they walked back girls like within a couple of yeah, years and like, i they, i had that really album but like I kind of fell in love with them in Hello Nasty, but they still seem like bratty kids at that time. Like their song, their songs were not like the kind of like misogynistic nonsense that they were like in their their uh, ill in ill communication or not ill communication, license to ill. Um, but they did just have that. Well, it, like you know that yeah. that aesthetic was still like. Uh, punky fuck everything even if that's not really what they were singing about yes and then that but that and that i am very much on the page with you that that suburban sort of like some 41 yeah um you know we're in the suburbs and it sucks but like let's be proud of the fact that we're shitty and lame like that thing yep. that whole aesthetic is very uh uncool and very lame and even at the time like i like thought some 41 and sh- even when i was i was 13 some 41 and blink 182 were the bands and like blink 182 had already moved on to doing like sadder more reflective music so i thought they were cool and, and a then, little like, more poppy Yes, and then like the Avril Lavigne, some forty-one people were lame to me. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you guys, you guys are still like whining about being in the suburbs. Like, just fucking like go do anything else. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, out. I hated that pop punk stuff. Like, I hated it. It was my so bro- bad. My brother really liked it. I hated it at the time. I hated some forty-one. I actually, it's funnily enough. I've actually, like, loosened my grip a little on, like, oh, that one song. What was that song they had? The Fat Lip or whatever. Like, as, like, a shitty pop punk song, that's actually one of the best. Because, like, but, like, when Good Charlotte came around, and that was, like, a huge thing in the early 2000s was that kind of, like, literally just poppy punk stuff. Um, Was Jimmy World the only good band from that period? I I like Fall Out Boy. (laughs) I don't. But okay. they they make were like they make like just normal rock music now, which is like yeah. somewhat commendable. Like they just make normal like they they didn't well, like they were they were always they somehow they were more emo. 
but they're not they're not depressing the way that green day and weezer are where green day and weezer are still singing like these like really awful like man the suburbs suck kind of music and they're yeah. 50. But but we I mean I think Weezer's blue album and Pinkerton are still really great. They just never Oh made yeah, they were music awesome. for the, yes. for the most part. After that, I think they're they still are good like, albums. Yeah, and I think Pinkerton's still one of the best. It's funny though. I was thinking of Weezer a lot because like this song has the um she has a girlfriend now and Smash Mouth had Flow, which were like the same song. But then I'm like, "Oh fuck, but Weezer has that song too, like with Pink Triangle off of um a song about like the girl I like is a lesbian um, and handling it poorly in song form. Um, Weezer's I don't remember being as like offensive. This one's really bad in my opinion. I think it's even this worse one, than this one's even worse than Smash Mouth's. Um, it's not worse than the Smash Mouth one. I put it in the same page. I put it in the same page. I think it as, is. I put it in the same page as Chasing Amy by Kevin Smith to get out of music a little bit. To get out of music, I put it in the same page as Kevin Smith where it actually like. I kind of like that it's like the bridge is bad though. That's where the bridge is the part that's like, oh, this took a little bit of a dip. Yes, but it is. It does have a few things going for it. Where like chasing Amy gives way too much voice to white straight dudes that are frustrated <laughs> yeah. that one woman won't fuck them. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with this song. It's fr- oh. a, it's a frustrated white dude that that one one woman won't fuck them, which is like fine. Like that's like if that's you know what your thing is about. But like both of them give way too much oxygen to that feeling. The real thing should be like a woman explaining to you that like, yes, I'm a lesbian. You can't have me. Also, all women can just say no. Like, yes, yeah. that's how it works. It's not just because I'm yeah, a lesbian. It's not because I'm also I, also don't, no. I also don't like you because I, that's agency and, I have. Yes. Like, and, and the best part of the song and the best part of that, of Chasing Amy, are when the woman is yeah. making fun of the singer, the protagonist a little bit, but it doesn't have enough making fun of, <laughs> of the, the white the, dude. But the I'll shave, yeah, the, the I'll shave my legs, I'll grow some tits and wear a bra. Like, that little bridge is like, oh, this took a really... But then she makes fun of him. She goes, like, oh, you're so sweet. Like, she's making fun of, like... Uh, like I wasn't sure if that was sincere or just how everyone talked in the 90s. Yeah. Like, I, I, I didn't know if it was supposed to be making fun of him. I think she's making fun of it. I hope so. He's like... Because the song's supposed to be like, ah, crap, the girl I love's a lesbian, which is obviously a problematic statement. This is a ska song from the mid-90s. Like, they have... I mean, they have much worse songs on this album from a problematic standpoint but anyways uh i do think it'd be interesting to compile a list of like 90 songs that are about like that topic because i could think of three really easily yeah yeah um, yeah so pink triangle though i don't know but his thing is like i'm an idiot like the fact that i was pining for this girl was stupid it was very clear that she's not interested in me because that's the refrain like I'm dumb. She's a lesbian. I thought I had found the one. We were um, almost married in my mind, but married in my mind's no good. He's kind of just chastising himself. Like, oh, this was fucking stupid of me. 
Which is like, clearly on a higher level than Real Big Fish or Smash Mouth. Oh yeah, level of. yeah, yes. So ska is 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 a very oh, is a God. genre that I'm not particularly attached to. Is an interesting part of this. So me me either. It's not it's not something that I was attached to. This wasn't part of my suburban rebellion. It was too it would have been it burned out too fast. It burned out really and then the people that like stayed with it were disturbing. Like yes. I knew people that were still buying like Mighty Mighty Boston CDs in like the early 2000s and you're like Oh, cool chain wallet and Jinko jeans. You know, the whole world moved on five years ago. Like it, and the so the only ska stuff that I really had was I guess Smash Mouth, which I didn't even think of as ska at the time, uh, and and the that Mighty Mighty Boston's CD with the impression that I get. Um, can I? Can we do five seconds on that song? Because I yeah. love that song. The refrain never had to knock on wood. But I know someone who has, and it makes me wonder if I could. I didn't know what knock on wood meant when I was that age. Just not an expression I'd heard. So he is just saying about how knocking on wood is like, oh, hope something bad doesn't happen to me. Knock on wood. And he's saying that he doesn't know anyone who's ever worried something bad would happen to them. And he wonders if he could worry about that. Like... <laughs> It's That's like so, 3D chess of anxiety. What is he doing to himself? Like, he never never had to... Oh, wait, no, because he never had to, but he knows someone who once was so worried about something that he used the common expression, knock on wood, and he's like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> like, is that something like his dad said? So he's like, I will never say knock on wood, even right now. But he just never... So he never had to worry about it, but it makes me wonder if I could worry about something. Is that is that is it supposed to be like a nineties like a man? I don't even know if I could care about something enough to worry about it. So that's actually one of the most annoying things about Generation X in retrospective, <laughs> because now we're seeing it through um, the artists of that generation growing up, the Kevin Smiths, the David Crosses, yeah. and like the the like David Cross, like still doing that, like I don't even give a shit, man, like that sort of thing yeah. is just like. It was never charming to me because I, well, I'm not Generation X. It was like never charming to me, but it was always sort of like a, um, like a, yeah, I mean, it's really cool to be like blase and disconnected from everything and like, you know, a half nihilist when you're 16, but um, we're older now and like you have like a normal job and like yeah. a normal life. So like I can tell you actually do care about things. So like, can we stop doing that sort of like late 90s? Like, hey man, like, you know, just fuck everything. Cause it's yeah. clearly not fuck everything. You have a wife and children. Yeah. And I can, so I was, I'm technically, uh, I know generations are dumb, but like, they are. I'm technically a millennial because I graduated after the year 2000 high school, um, which I guess is how it's defined. So, but I like, consider myself very close to you, like not just in terms of friendship, but like in terms of attitude and stuff. Like, yeah. I consider us very close, which maybe, you know, if there is any generational truth, um, I see that. Yeah, even though we're, we're, what, eight years apart? Yes. Yes. Whereas I see as all my older siblings who are also... I think two out of three are also millennial. I associate them with Generation X. Like, I think the Generation X number needs to get bumped up a little bit. I think part of it is a little... You just want me to be in a different generation. <laughs> get out of my generation, man. <laughs> I'm talking saying, about my generation. I'm actually talking about how dumb the generations are just it is in, really in microcosm. But some of it, too, is just, like, what you were aware of. So, like, I, I tended to, because I was the oldest and I lived in a small town and we didn't have MTV and my... 
and my parents like had no my dad only cared about the music from like the 70s he had almost no interest in like new stuff even in his like 20s and 30s and my mom had like no interest in music whatsoever so like my like way of finding music was so weird so we had like one kind of good radio station so it was a lot of like like i heard losing my religion for the first time in like 1995 or six, not knowing it was like six years old and thinking it was the most amazing song ever. And like, you know, like I got into stone temple pilots and live after everyone was sick. Like, so, so my like way of like finding bands is that I was rarely ever current with them. Um, so I ended up going through like a grunge phase in like the late nineties, you know? Um, yeah. Because that's when I kind of discovered all that and really liked it. And then there's like weird stuff that I was on top of. Like I, because all my friends were talking about like Weezer was one of the first CDs I ever bought. And I had Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness when it came out uh, or the year after. So like when they released Adore, I was there when it just got released and bought it. Like, so I just have all that stuff where music was much less available and it was like pre Napster and I just didn't have an older sibling. And, um, my friends weren't particularly music literate either. And it was a lot of country too, which I always fucking hated because it's North Dakota. So my music tasted that. So I think that kind of helped some of my like, um, music stuff. And because I wasn't getting exposed to as much like MTV and stuff or like, wasn't, you know, had to sneak to watch the Simpsons. I think a lot of that, like, Gen X stuff, kind of, even if I'm more closer to that age range, it passed me by a little. But I do understand, like, identifying with, um, you know, 13, 14, 15, especially, like, you just feel alienated, right? And whether as a, you know, white, straight, cis male, like, I have any, like, from the suburbs in a middle class family, but like there is just like my body's changing, everything's weird, all my friend groups are changing because all of a sudden half my friends are skaters and I don't want to skate. Aaron, and just uh, note your body is a wonderland. Oh, that I mean, that's the song that really made me know everything was gonna. No, be just a uh, lowercase. No, no title. Your body is a wonderland. I thought it was the German, the Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> I understand Bodies. what you're saying, though. There's a, there is a time and place for that sort of like punky, sort of like impotent rebellion music. Yeah, um, and my- I needed Green Day when I was 12, and I hated President Bush, and or 13, and I hated President Bush, and I felt like you know I was stuck around all these conservatives and like. One of my one of my parents, not both of them, voted for Bush, and like all my grandparents voted for Bush, except for one of them. And it was just like a it was a thing where like you need this music just to not even necessarily connect with the city because that was something I would get later from like indie rock or yeah, but connect with um a sense of that like these systems don't benefit me as somebody who is on a track like the the on a track to just do whatever my parents say for the next four years five years well, and also like i was the oldest of a lot of kids my dad was like he was definitely one of those i have this idea of what you're gonna be and so he like um and they were very strict on like content stuff so like i just was like my parents don't understand me i like I have all these crushes on girls, but like my parents were like, you don't even think about it, you know? So it was like, and I, and then we moved out to the country too in junior high, 
which was like 10 miles away. So like in North Dakota, it was like, I couldn't drive. My only way to get anywhere was like my parents. So like once every couple of weeks, I got to go to a friend. Like, so I really, you know, so yeah, there, there was stuff like Smash Mouth and, um, Smashing Pumpkins and a lot of that, anything that was like, everything sucks, you know, I wasn't necessarily like a bummed out, depressed kid, but I did have this sense that like everything sucks now and I want to be older and I want the world to make a little more sense and I want to have a little more control over the world because I felt pretty powerless and a lot of that like from the the kind of laughable stuff now like the Smash Mouse to like Smashing Pumpkins and other things not with Smash in the title. Offspring Smash was another one of my favorites. A um, lot of smashing. But like those a lot when you really Super get down Smash to Brothers. it. Super Smash Brothers. Um, but when you get down to it, a lot of those albums at their core, and I think this counts. I think Real Big Fish counts. It's about, like, how you deal with the powerlessness, right, of your life. And it's maybe snotty, like, I didn't care about it anyway. Um, and that's why this, like, this this is an album for teenagers. It is not an album for adults. It is not an album for, like, if there was an adult that was really, like, just listened to this for the first time and I think was, like, um, this is great, I would be very suspicious of them as, like, a douche bro or something like that because – you know, you're right. Like, I have grown out of – it's why, like, South Park lost its luster. Like – I agree. The, the, and I can go down that list of all these things that I used to like, but, like, the fuck everything mantra, at some point, you need to grow out of it. It's okay if you have it, uh, but, like, at some point, you need to go, actually, everything is an equivalent, and there's some stuff that you should say fuck you to, and there's other stuff that's good that you should try to do everything in your life to make the world a little bit of a better place. And if your attitude is everything is equally stupid, you are part of the problem. So, this is an album that you are almost designed to grow out of. Unintentional obsolescence is built into this album, but it's but to me, what I find interesting about it is that it does speak to specific feelings that I had in my past that I have moved on from. And like I view the the singer and the whoever is, is writing the lyrics for the band, not necessarily the singer. Probably uh, one of the eight horn players. Yes. <laughs> Because this is like their first album. They literally, second. the first song is called Sellout. It's their second album. This is their second album? I looked to see if it, they were still making music, and they are. Uh, Scott bands also were known for like high rotation, especially like yeah. uh, they usually have a couple trumpet players or whatever. They, they rotate those members out. But anyways. Um, yeah, because your so, lips get sore after a while. Because <laughs> the trumpet players have to go to Yale and Harvard and they yeah. can't be playing in a Scott <laughs> band forever. I, I used to do this because I was in band and I had this chin strap anyways, goatee. So. <laughs> but... Yeah, the whole aesthetic of it is so ugly and so uh, uncool. But, like, there is something really charming to me about how it comes from this very specific perspective. Some of the music is, like, really fun and zippy and, like, they bounce around and they're not afraid to have, like, 
less than two minute long tracks just to like get a weird concept song out and like the album itself yeah, is very like a weird concept like what if we're racist for a minute and 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> oh good concept st and then there's like they have a whole song on it dedicated to a band that they used to play with called uh suburban rhythm a band that like oh, like they opened for and um which song is that SR. Yeah, but he does the Jamaican accent. Oh. So you're making for the other song where they were doing the um, where the horn section does all like that. Oh, that's that's two forty one. Yeah, that's which the, two point one is instrumental, right? It's instrumental, yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, you shouldn't do a racist accent, even like for it, sure. It just it seems not jokey. All the jokes that might have been like a little bit off for me, I was like, oh, they're just making a joke, which yeah. is like also contributing to. We're gonna talk about Scott Tannic. Like, I don't care if you're making a joke about it. Like, like it's one of those things where. Your joke and the real thing are indistinguishable. Yes, yes. The pair. The, if your satire is so close, or your parody is so close, if to- people can sing your song and mean what you're saying, which I guarantee ninety percent of the people that like, like that song, which is like the worst. I fucking hate that song. The only it's close though it's because terrible. I'm I'm not even of like, and I don't see any irony in say ten like. The the making fun of vegetarian like I'm not even a vegetarian, and that song is clearly mocking vegetarians for not eating meat. There's no joke there that like he's mocking people that make fun of vegetarians. He's very clearly just making fun of vegetarians, and 100%. like in the in the meanest, snottiest way that you could. And it's like it feels so much like punching down. Like let's get into that as I give my impressions. We're going to go a little quick. I want to say a couple things about my overall thoughts of like forgetting about song by song, but just the general thoughts. Um, I wish it was less horny. I mean, like literally I wish there was less horns. Um, (laughs) I love the horns. I'm also an uh, ex-trumpet player, so I'm biased. I want a dehorned version. Um, You don't like like, horns? There, I like them. There's no more dated sound to me than like the when the horns carry the entire melody of these ska songs. It's music, and, like, the, though, music is supposed to be dated. Music is supposed to speak yeah, but, to an era. Like that's why that's why like some Bowie songs have like super specific synth sounds. And, but like, that stuff's charming. Good. That stuff's good. And the horns are not all bad. But there's the 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 sound that's just like fucking like grating to me is that where they don't even really have much of a and this is a lot of ska songs and like songs from this era where they just have that same like do 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 and then like they let the horns carry the um hook and everything and then they just do that kind of same like weird uh lackadaisical like ska guitar um i all the songs that have that I really hate musically. I like some of the stuff musically on here, even sometimes when I really have a problem with the lyrics. Oh, yeah. I, the lyrics are – their lyrics are bad. I'm not trying to defend the lyrics. No. But I'm saying that like – I think like when they do propulsive and they put some energy into their songs and they lean more on the guitars 
playing leading the riffs as opposed to the horns and use the horns as backing um I think I think that's when they make their best song. So I wish I wish more of it. I wish more of it. They were leaning less into sublime and more into like, even if it is shitty punk, like they they have some good riffs, and the songs where they leaned more into guitar than they did horns to carry the melody were were better in my opinion. Um, so can we pause here real quickly? Yeah, and I can uh, tease my brother Charlie. Sure. Um, my brother Charlie was in a ska band for a period of time, um, and he played it? guitar. He was—he's uh-huh. actually—he was actually a pretty good guitar, guitar player. Uh, I've heard that he—he still can play. You almost said guitar. Was he a good guitar? <laughs> Probably not. I don't think he ever mm. learned that. I think he tried to learn violin at some point, but he no, he—he he was just a guitar player. He had a guitar with a uh, cheetah print strap. Okay. A big squirtle sticker on it. Do you have a chin strap uh, goatee? Yes. yes. Did he really? Yes. Uh, also oh uh, bleached, uh, what is it called? Frosted tips. Uh, he had frosted tips. Um, and then, this is not a joke. He's way he, more He's way more Gen X than I was. I never dyed my hair and I never grew facial hair. Yes. I mean, you don't know what was happening in the Chicago suburbs. It's Chicago though. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he was leaning into the culture of the time. I mean, all of it. I think all of his big gigs were actually driving west to Aurora. So, <laughs> oh, featured cool. in the film, he's, Wayne's he's World. He's Wayne's World. Yes, he, I think we all wished we were Wayne's World, but we weren't even like as cool as the losers in in Wayne's World. And uh, final touch, back of the guitar uh, with scotch tape, picture of his girlfriend back of the guitar until she left, and then he wrote a horribly misogynistic song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I does it's so funny because I think I'm a year older than you, Charlie, and it sounds like he's ten years older than me. <laughs> like from from like that was the stuff like my ba- my my friends that were two or three old years older than me did. Yeah, you and you and him both um, have very similar interests on average to me, and very similar temperaments to me. But like, it is funny though that he is like. So Gen Xy and so like sassy '90s at this time. He's not now. That is sort of the reason why I got this, uh, and I'm not defensive of this um, as as I was defending it earlier. I'm not defensive of this. It's just a very interesting little time capsule that has aged in such a way that no one can deny it's dated. No one can deny that it speaks to a very embarrassing time in our cultural history. Yeah, it's so dated. Uh, it's it definitely is not the... So, but let's let's go through track by track quick okay. so we can wrap this up. So this isn't a we love to watch length. Um, <laughs> on Real Big Fish. On Real Big Fish. Hold on, I'm pulling up the track list again. Where'd it go? I am. So it starts off with Sellout. One of the songs I knew before. It's a standout song. It's a really fun. I shouldn't say that. I liked it. I like it fine. It's the problem is they do the same fucking 
this this album has two themes. It's we don't want to be famous, but we really do. And we're I don't know how aware he is that he really wants to be famous, but it's like the guys, I don't want to do X. I swear. It's like, okay, you're saying it so much. You clearly want to do X. Like you clearly want to do that thing. You're talking about it constantly. That's that's him with being famous. And then the other thing is like girls hate me uh and, and sometimes i that makes me sad sometimes it makes me very angry like the two songs all of the songs in this are like one of those two things and i think sellout is the best version of the um of the we don't want to be famous and people who are famous are shitty and i think beer is the best version of the girls hate me um but anyways so yeah Sellout's fine. You know what's yeah. a better version of Sellout? Uh, Boxcar by Jawbreaker, because they actually embrace the, yeah, sure, fine, we're shitty. I don't care what you think about us. We're going to make our music. That is also something that Smash Mouth did later in their, not in their songs, but in their, um, like... Entire personas? <laughs> yes, we know we're terrible, but come to our show, you'll have a fun time. Yeah. That sort of thing, which is actually, weirdly enough, also how... Um, jam bands now are marketing like i know you think fish is terrible but just come to the show we swear like give us your money we swear i find that more endearing than the kind again this this whole album is ain't i a stinker it's like people want to get famous idiots and then girlfriends are like hey why don't you get famous and stop working at mcdonald's fine i guess i'll just sell like it's, well, I agree. I would rather go to a garage band with Real Big Fish than go to a fish show in a stadium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather do anything than go to a fish show. In a stadium where you have to, like, fight to get out and, like, you have to, like, walk for two miles to get a cab when you're done? Like, every story I've heard from people afterwards is like, like, oh, this doesn't sound appealing at all. I thought this was just, like, a show up and do drugs kind of thing. It's definitely, like, it's catchy. It has a good rhythm. It doesn't lean on the horns that much except for, like, it, it, I mean, it has a lot of horns, but they, like, accent a melody and a riff that already exists in the guitar playing, so I like that. So Snoop Dogg, Baby, is one of the most embarrassing songs on the album. <laughs> okay. It's really hard to listen to. Um yeah, and, so let's well, let's go through track but, by track. Uh, but but hold on, hold oh, sorry. on. So that's them. That's them sort of giving like like, hey, we're white, but we like rap music too by black people too, not just Beastie Boys or Eminem or whatever. Eminem wasn't a thing yet, but you know what I mean. Um, the Vanilla Ice. Yes. So uh, an interesting thing about the horns, and the one reason that I'm forgiving of the horns is because the horns are pulling from a Scott tradition. Which yeah. was a tradition from the Caribbean and yeah. a lot of Afrobeat bands and a lot of a lot of musical styles that I still today find really cool. Like I'm really into a lot of a lot of Afrobeat bands. But the Snoop Dogg Baby is one of the most embarrassing tracks on the album um, for non-problematic reasons. It's just like white suburban kids being like, yeah, we like ska, but guess what? We also like rap, which guess what? I'm really glad that those two people never talked because that would have made music so bad. We all would have like digged out our tympanums with screwdrivers. Like that would have made the worst music in the entire fucking world. But it also has both of his themes, which is um, misogyny, because uh, his girlfriend wants to know why he's not as famous as Snoop Dogg, and it's about being famous. So that that really is a shit sandwich of a song. Uh, let's go back to Trendy. 
So trendy is... That's an attempt to be ironic. It is. It's not so bad being trendy. Everyone who looks like me is my friend. Please don't hate me because I'm trendy. They're not going to laugh at me again. It's like I actually kind of like the beat. It's fine, like as a as a musically, it's good. But like, yeah, the irony is shitty though because it's like, oh, okay, so like people that like try to fit in or try to wear like it's mocking anyone like who would dare dress the style, which also seems so like hypocritical. I know I'm getting too deep into this, but it's like you sure of real big fish. I guarantee you look like every other ska band. Like, if I, I'm sure you guys had the fucking fedor, little fedoras. I'm sure you guys wear, like, Larry David shirts. I'm sure, like, even Ska in itself was, like, the little trendy, like, thing in there with, like, all the other little stuff. So, it just, it feels like, it just feels like a shitty lyrically song. But I like kind of like the music. Yeah. Um, it is, I mean, it is a fun, like, bouncy, fun song. Yeah. Um, in terms of that, that theme, I mean, it's... It's a ska song. It's a sassy ska song from the suburbs. Yeah. Them making fun of them making fun of uh, the culture is as much part of the the counterculture as can be. Even if the counterculture in the '90s was culture, like the yeah. the two were so intermingled, the idea that you would make fun of somebody just to define who you were was just like part of the deal it's it's embarrassing but it's also it's just something that teenagers do it's what children do to define themselves yeah i don't like mainstream music i listen to nirvana which has sold 20 million dude even in my even in my deepest hipster phase i never said like i hate mainstream music i was when people would ask what i would say i'd be like i wouldn't have always have a great answer well in fairness I i did but i also listened to i i said it when i was in college which uh, about 2000 to two, 2001, 2004 is the worst mainstream music of all time. So, yeah, um, we got some Hoobastank in there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Linkin Park. Yes. And the reason is you. Lifestyle. Uh, or the so that's like, again, it actually kind of reminds me of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, which is these very rich people complaining about rich people. It's like trendy is a little bit like you are a trend. So to complain about people that are jumping on trends is kind of shitty. Anyways, join the club is like sell out again, but much worse. Um, she has a girlfriend now. We kind of talked about Snoop Dogg. Baby talked about. So let's be it. So Beer, I think, is the best song of the album. It is – and I don't think it's just nostalgia because it really is horn light. It's really propulsive. I think it has an energy that a lot of stuff has. And it's like it's like a good breakup song. Like breakup songs are good. Breakup songs are fine. Where breakup songs cause problems is when they're like, she's such a stupid bee, which is a song on this album as well. This is like fun 
And like that kind of, I'm depressed, but whatever, I have nothing to lose. Let's go out and have a good time breakup song, which is always a lot of fun. Which sometimes you just need, like, you need. Yeah. As dumb as it sounds, like, think about how much of a piece of shit you are when you get broken up with. Yeah. Like, that's, sometimes you just need something to be like, let's just get out of the house. Yeah. Why try to live without it? Let's just go get drunk with my friends. And it's yeah. not, it, it really, like... There's nothing where he is, like, chastising her or calling her names. Like, he has one thing of just, like, she looks great. I saw her tonight, essentially. She looks great. I guess this must be hell, you know. But I guess I'll go drink with my friends. Like It also has a character arc which implies introspection that none of the songs have. Because he says at first, he's like, she'll come back to me. And then he's yeah. like, she probably won't come back to me. I should yeah. just learn to be with me and my friends. Which yeah, is at exactly. least, like, that's a character arc. And hey, dumb. I, I've gotten broken up with. I've had bad breakups that were mutual that made me feel like shit. You know what's? You know what? It's not a healthy thing to go. I hate women. Girls are stupid. She's a stupid. I'm gonna say a bunch of misogynistic names at her. You know what can be healthy for a, hopefully a not a extended period of time, but a few weeks when you're dealing with that is like. You know what? I'm not gonna worry about my life or my future. I'm gonna go get drunk with friends, and I'm just that's it. Like. And I, that line of like, well, I can't live without her, so I won't even try, which is not like referencing suicide, but like, I'm not going to just go on with my life. I'm going to go get drunk with my friends. Like, and that's, that's okay. I'm going to take a pause to be kind of a piece of shit partier for a little bit. And that's, that's okay. And it's a very catchy song. It's again, very propulsive. Like I always liked this song and I... When it came up on the album, the couple times I was listening to it, each time I was like, yeah, this is a really good song. I like this song. Yeah, I, I think I think it's very fun. I think it's one of the few songs that I was listening to. The, I listened to the entire length of without cringing, which is yeah. uh, not what I did for two thirds, a, th- a third of the album. Yeah. So 241 is the instrumental. Um, I do like when their horns sound a little bit like... Uh, they do a little uh, Morricone riff in the middle, which I liked. SR, we talked about. Oh, I missed Everything Sucks. So, I <laughs> couldn't, couldn't think of a more 90s. Uh, and their next album was called Everything Sucks, too. So, they're like, we found a thing. I really like the riff. The lyrics are embarrassing. Lead singer is not a good singer. It's kind of irrelevant. It's like a punk band, like yeah. not having a good singer. I think they he's a good out. singer for a punk, like for this type of band. This is yeah, what they all yeah, sounded yeah. like. But I mean, like, if you don't like the way he sings or you think he sounds shrill when he tries to hit certain yeah. notes or too flat, like, that's just kind of part of the punk tradition that they're pulling from, the garage band tradition. So, yeah. it's it's fine. It's not really about that. The point is that they're supposed to be getting – they sing like that so they can get their emotions out. And so, when the lyrics come and their emotions are out and you're like, oh, well, I can judge this in plain view. <laughs> it is bad. Um yeah. SR we talked about. So, Scottanic, which I think is like, SR is super simple. It's just like they miss an old band. Yeah. Uh, and then say some accents that maybe someone should have said, maybe don't do the accent. Uh, Scottanic, which is – I at first I thought when I saw it pop up, I thought it was like Titanic, but it's clearly a riff on Satanic. Um, I can't imagine hating this song anymore. It's pretty um, bad. I'm not entirely sure why I – when I went through the album the second time, I didn't skip it, but I felt like I needed to – Confirm my hatred for this song. I don't even like. I don't even like saying the. the so the refrain is like "fuck you, bitch." I am crazy. 
Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like an angry breakup song, but like they already have a few good to be- okay to good breakup songs yeah. on it where you're like, well, you didn't need to go full on like, I want to consume you and murder you. We could have just had like the fun, like, you know, she treated me poorly, but let's party. Like that is a charming attitude that's fine. to have in life, especially after I moved to California. I met a lot of guys like that. And I'm like, oh, that's... That is your whole. That's fine. That's your whole process, and it's, Every, it's everyone it processes stuff differently. Yeah, it seems to be working. Um, you just you actually did just go surfing and then get high, and now you're talking to a girl, and you're and he's like, it doesn't feel the same, but I gotta do something like that. That sort of like who gives a shit attitude I see all the time, and I find it charming because I'm like, ooh, you didn't have the whole like looking in yourself and then. So it's it's bad and and even like the more so I don't want to say much more about it because why but it's really bad it's like it's leaning into all the worst um, and there's there's so many songs like this there's uh, from today to the nineties but like this is like not even trying to be like clever about it or even like their because their their really mode is like poor me sad sacks so this is also like a. It's just so like, and that goes to the next song. So all I was one is more is like, oh, all I wanted was to 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 try really hard in a relationship, and uh, I guess, um, I guess my girlfriend didn't want someone who loves her. So it's like really shitty, like Gamergate mentality, like stuff. Um, and then when, and then she says to her like. Um, even if she did want to come back now, I would tell her, go fuck yourself. Like, it's and like it's that type of song and with almost those exact lyrics. So, the fact that that follows, like, Scott Tannock is shitty. And then it gets into – and then the next song, I think, is Nothing, which is him saying every um, – I don't care about anything for the last minute of that song. Or or I just – not even I don't care about anything. Just, I don't care. I don't – and, like, by that point, I really am like, hey, a song that matches my opinion on this album because after two really shitty um, misogynistic uh, alpha bro Gamergate bullshit songs to go and then it's like, I don't care. I don't care. It's like, okay, I get it. And then it's Say 10, which is the really shitty, like, uh, oh, uh, I don't eat vegetables because they cry, you idiots. Uh, and then I'll Never Be is like fine and Alternative Baby is kind of catchy. But I feel like I've lost so – like any minor goodwill for this um, album I've had like goes away in that little set of songs that like – Only great bands put a great song at the end of their album. The whole last third of this thing is like – well, we front loaded this sucker, so the back is it's it's gonna be dry. Um, you guys are not gonna have fun with this. Uh, I'm very sorry. Yeah, and alternative baby is like kind of catchy, and it is like cool. I met a girl that has the same interest as me. <laughs> like great, yeah. And it's a bouncy dumb song, but like, could you not have put that earlier instead of yeah, the, like borderline abusive song? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Kai, I hope she doesn't end up with you. To be honest. Because she does sound nice, and I know you're a monster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it you know, but what's funny is, like, it is it is like a lot of stuff I listened to at that time, right? Like, it's not – so, while this album itself doesn't have, like, a lot of recognition for me because I – you know, the, the two songs that I knew are also just happen to be the two best songs in the album, and I don't think it's just nostalgia. Like, they, they are. 
Um, but I have nostalgia for bad songs on this album, so I know it is. It is actually like me <laughs> looking soberly at this album. Yes, the f- it does. It does take me back to it. I do have weird nostalgia, not for the album, but like listening to this is like, oh, I had a ton of albums that were like exactly like this. They're like two songs that I could listen to now and then a bunch of slacker everything sucks nonsense punctuated by the occasional like hyper misogyny that like i didn't even recognize as misogyny at the time like that's that's smash mouth's album that's a million of them right like this this was like the package for generation x i think and i think that's also why it's embarrassing to look back and why there's a lot of people my age or your age that are like shitty people because they maybe never grew like if you don't grow out of this to a degree you're shitty like if you're still like it's like or like i think we both used to like real time with bill maher yeah there's like a lot of things that like the second you kind of are like Okay, man, he's made a couple misogynistic jokes, but he just jokes about everything, and that's just his thing. Everyone's a target, and, you know, stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, he doesn't think vaccines are good? Okay, well, I'm going to – like, he he has never met anyone new in 30 years that's not, like, a pundit on his show. Like, he's never yeah. actually sat down in a room with anybody that is Muslim and that can actually, like – change his mind because he's a stubborn old white asshole on tv and and that like blew my that blew it all open now and then he turned into an enemy overnight and that is sort of like that's sort of like a lot of that like alternative sort of like pissed off music groups and comedy well and comics too like so i i I think i think the key to unlocking all of them was the same thing so it's why i turned against all of it at once like you could see the reason why Bill Maher and the reason why South Park and the reason why literally a million comics, the Daniel Toshes of the world and, you know, all these people like at some point get criticism for – or fucking Matt Groening recently with The Simpsons and the whole Simpsons team, right? <laughs> the Matt they get thing was so funny because he didn't have to say shit. He didn't have to say anything else. He hasn't been actively involved in the show for a long time. And instead, he's like, these idiots. Everyone gets – but it's like you, you see a very familiar pattern. And once you see that pattern, it is hard to look away where people – and maybe they've just been you know attacked and unfairly attacked and, and gotten criticism for stuff their entire life. Maybe some of it was fair. Maybe some of it wasn't. But at some point, it's clear that they are unable to see – Criticism of, like, say, the religious right criticizing you for saying swears and, like, criticism for, like, hey, you're being super racist. And at some point, it's like a path that people go down. Either you, like, start seeing, like, oh, the times are changing. It's not just that now I can't say certain things. It's that I always shouldn't have been saying certain things because I wasn't considering – um people that weren't like me so i need to a apologize and hopefully try to make amends and then take this criticism to heart and learn to live a little differently they either do that they either do that reaction or they do what the bill mars and unfortunately a ton and ton of famous people that we i mean a ton of real people do this either but i'm not following jerry that works at insurance so but like (laughs) so it's hard to turn off from his art uh but it's or they do the um oh 
This is the same shit I hear all the time. Any criticism of me is all in the same bucket. They're idiots. And a lot of times those people become more and more like they're worse because they dig in their heels. Like no one's going to tell me. (laughs) No one's going to tell me that Muslims aren't worse than the worst Christians. So fuck you. Now I'm going to talk about all the time. Yeah. So it's that familiar pattern. And it's not. It's not the the American the American experiment has failed on that front entirely, and that's that is the lesson that Real Big Fish has taught me is that the American <laughs> experiment has failed me. I, I don't think we can end it any better than that. But I I think this was it's so funny that we kind of, we didn't really do these back to back. But again, I think the Smash Mouth one is funnier because they are just kind of more sad sacks about all their stuff, and they don't have anything like as aggressively. Like, you're talented, but you're also, like, there is something about being Be honest, more you're associating the lead singer of Smash Mouth with Shrek. Well, then, I mean, he would be uh, tried for war crimes. Um, although, like, I, I even still find, like, Smash Mouth's, like, uh, Twitter account that constantly defends Smash Mouth to, to people. Like, we're not just the Shrek people. We had three number one hits before. Like, Guess I find what, that, like, weirdly- Mystery Team. Ever heard of it? Yeah, and he's like, it wasn't even from Shrek. Mystery it's Man, mystery, excuse me. Mystery Mis- Man, have yeah. you ever heard mystery of it? Mystery Team is the Donald Glover Derek comedy thing. Uh, but, but yeah, it is It is really funny because it's like, it, there is something about being a little more pathetic that lends itself more to being able to laugh about it in a way that like Real Big Fish makes it like, they got some good songs, but they also are what kind of emphasize what, if you still like this and you still listen to this, like without being able to see its flaws, you are like... That's what's wrong with this country. You're that. You're that. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, yeah. This was this was an interesting episode of Don't You Dare. We'll be back. Oh, uh, I need a dare for you. Oh, so I have to do a ranking. Uh, I think it was a Don't You Dare. Like I didn't really like it. I'm glad you didn't take it as a fuck you because it was definitely. I didn't think it was you. a fuck you. I didn't think Smash was a fuck you. I just needed to talk to someone about that album. That's how I, I felt about this. That's yeah. why I needed to to exercise the same demons you were doing. Yeah. So, I, I think it was an interesting discussion. I'm glad. It, it, again, it was a weird way to experience music that I listened to, but not having li- – like, it, it was a weird way to experience the aesthetic of the 90s. Um, it was nostalgia without being actual nostalgia for the piece of art. So, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, that makes sense. Uh, so, does. My Dare for You is a, is a movie I know you haven't seen, and this is not a fuck you – it is uh, my favorite movie of 2016, and I don't know how you haven't seen it yet because it's on Netflix, and it has your name in the title, uh, David Lowry's Pete's Dragon. So I dare you to watch that, and we will be here whenever we're here to talk about that next. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for not giving me a fuck you. Yeah. If I, well, if I want to give you a fuck you, I'd give you the Disney one from like 1973, which is terrible. Is it? Is it that bad? It's so bad. It's not even close to the same Jesus thing. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, all right. Good night. Night. <laughs>